Welcome to the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogela. As we head into the 2020 election, social media is expected to play a big role in the campaign. Twitter has banned political advertising, but Facebook has balked at the idea. We'll get more on that a little bit later, but first, new polling data is out with regards to the 2020 race. We're not talking the presidential race. We're talking here in Washington State. Joining us now on the Como News Line is pollster Stuart Elway, who conducted this poll for Crosscuts. And uh, first things first, let's, let's talk about the governorship before we get into some of the other things. Democrat Jay Inslee has a significant lead so far. Yes, he does. Uh, in our poll, uh, we asked uh, people, uh, we named the, the, the known candidates so far and asked who they would uh, be inclined to support. And uh, Inslee uh, got, had 46% of the respondents that they'd vote for him. Second was uh, uh, Tim Iman, who was uh, listed in our poll as an independent, although I guess that's up to some question. Uh, he hasn't decided yet. And then uh, five points for Republican Joshua Freed, four for Republican Phil Fortunato, and four for Republican Lauren Culp. So um, a substantial lead at this point. I think it's not probably too surprising, uh, except for possibly Iman. The others are not well-known candidates, So, and it's early in the year. Well, very early in the year, and, and the Republicans have yet to coalesce around one of their candidates. Right. But uh, 46% favoring Democratic Jay Inslee, and then in the single digits for everyone else, 34% undecided. That's 12 points less than the leader. Does that really mean that uh, it's a foregone conclusion, that if there ever is one in politics, that Inslee is a shoe-in to win re-election for a third term? Well... You know, you never want to stay a shoe-in, particularly not in January. Uh, but it's certainly a, a commanding lead. It would have it would it be uh, uh, it's just real uphill battle for anyone at this point. He only needs four more points to get to fifty uh, percent. And and once the uh, candidates uh, get more well known, you know, we'll expect these numbers to shift. And then once the the primary is through the primary, which will be next August. Um, it'll it'll shift substantially. I mean, whoever is the well, we've got a, the wild card in this election that we haven't had before is uh, Tim Iman as a well-known uh, statewide figure, potentially running as an independent. Uh, ordinarily, we would say the Republican candidate could count on, oh, you know, 35 to 40 percent of the vote just by being the Republican candidate. Um, but if the primary is between Inslee and Iman as an independent, then we, those historical precedents don't really hold up as well. So it's a, you know, that'll be a interesting um, uh, thing to, to follow. And, and as we said, uh, I understand Iman hasn't decided yet. He may yet run as a Republican, and I assume he may yet decide not to run at all. But Well, and then what, what I find interesting about this, and even though Democrat Jay Inslee has a, a commanding lead uh, in, in this early polling data for the, the fall's election, 
He is significantly underwater in his overall approval rating, 57% negative, just 40% positive, yet he still has a commanding lead. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. Um, uh, this is the, uh, this, some other interesting parts about that. Um, he, the, this is his lowest, lowest uh, approval rating since January of 2016 which is the last election year. So his two lowest approval ratings in his whole uh, term in office have been in January of the years he was running for re-election. And as we all know, in 2016, he went on to win re-election pretty handily. So I don't know. We, uh, that would suggest we can't make too much of uh, the, this month's approval rating either. His approval rating's been remarkably steady over the course of his uh, years in office. Uh, uh, it, it, it's been typically right, uh, pretty close to even in terms of positive and negative uh, ratings, mostly uh, tilting on the negative side. Um, but uh, both of his predecessors, uh, Gary Locke and, and Christine Gregoire, both of them had higher numbers, approval ratings, than Inslee early in their first term, and lower ratings than Inslee now has uh, late in his second term. So his has been pretty even uh, keel all the way along. And as, but as I said, this is this is the this month he he uh, dipped down to his lowest ratings. And did the fact that he ran for president have any effect on these numbers, do you think? It didn't have too much. We actually asked that question, and um, uh, 50, well, let's see, 55% um, said it didn't uh, change their opinion of him or uh, one way or the other. Um, 17% said that it, it made their opinion more positive and 29% more negative. So... Uh, you know, a 12-point edge to the negative side, but uh, most people said it didn't really change their opinion one way or the other. Is that unusual for a governor when he decides to run for president and then come back and, and run for re-election? Well, we've never had that here, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Have you been able to look at polling data in other states? And, no, and this may have no, happened? that'd be an interesting... I mean, there's some, uh, I guess... One uh, analogy this year would be uh, Hickenlooper in Colorado, who's coming back. He was a governor. He's coming back to run for Senate after having run for president. But I haven't seen any polling on that question. And then what about the the race for uh, legislature? Because you, you have every member in the House uh, up for re-election and uh, uh, roughly a third in, in the state Senate up for re-election as well. Uh, where do things stand there? I know it's a little difficult to get to all the different 49 districts of the state. Well, yeah, we can't, can't do that just for obvious logistical reasons. But what uh, uh, one of the, the tricks that uh, us pollsters like to use is a, a generic question of, uh, so we ask people in the coming race for legislature, are you inclined to vote for all Democrats, all Republicans, or, or all Democrats, mostly Democrats, mostly Republicans, or all, uh, you know, all, all Republicans. So, so it's a generic party vote. And uh, in, in this 
Democrats led in the generic race by a 17-point margin. 52% said they were inclined to vote for Democrats, 35 for Republicans. So that's 17%. So in January of 18, the last legislative election year, Democrats led in that question by 13 points. So they're doing better this January than they were January two years ago when they faced the voters. Two years ago, with that 13-point edge in January, the Democrats went on to win 60% of the total votes cast for state house across the state, and they captured 57 of the 99 seats in the House and 28 of the 49 Senate seats. So they they did very well for uh, two years ago with a 13-point lead, and this year they have a 17-point lead. So uh, the Republicans are are leaning into pretty strong headwinds uh, in this year's election, as as it stands today. And of course, we're ten, eleven months from people actually voting, so we all know uh, an awful lot can change in that time. And aside from the the races for governor and for state legislature, you also polled on on a number of issues in Washington State as well. What did you find? We uh, have asked this question uh, every January since 1992. What is the most important issue the legislature should be focusing on in the upcoming session, which, of course, starts next week? Um, this time, 31% of, and it's an open-ended question, 31% of our respondents said homelessness, which is um, uh, uh, 10 points higher than it was last year, uh, about 21% said homelessness last year. As recently as uh, two or three years ago, that number was at like 5%. So it's really spiked up in this last year. So the number one issue on the voters' agenda for the legislature is homelessness. And it's it's uh, uh, far and away uh, uh, mentioned by more people than the next highest one, which is taxes, which is always there. That was uh, 16% said taxes and 31% said homelessness. So it's uh, it's a pretty uh, uh, dominant issue going into this session. Well, and the other thing, too, Initiative 976 to cut car tab fees, it looks like most people, and, and uh, a majority of them, want new taxes to pay for the, the gap in funding that these $30 car tabs uh, are creating. Well, yeah, that, uh, that's always an interesting uh, uh, thing to look at. So we, we voted uh, to do away with the car tabs, and then we asked people, what should the legislature now do? Should they delay uh, and cut projects to make up for the lost revenue or try to find new ways of raising money? And by uh, almost a two-to-one margin, people said, find new way of raising money for transportation. Now, we didn't ask. But we didn't, we didn't ask that, and they didn't have an opportunity to say where they're going to find this money. Um, but, you know, in, in part of that, I think, is uh, sort of uh, what we see often, kind of wishful thinking. We think there's money really there. They can find it if they need it. Um, you know, so just squeeze something else, take out, you know, waste, fraud, abuse, and then you'll be able to fund transportation with that money uh, so there's there's some of that um, but the, the the interesting part of this is uh, only 
26% said they wanted to actually cut any transportation projects, and yet um, they just voted to cut out the money for it. So uh, there's, I think there's some conversation that needs to take place between voters and, and lawmakers and local elected officials about how this money works. You're a pollster. You dive into this data on a daily basis. What were some of the more interesting numbers that you found? Well, uh, that one we were just talking about, I thought was uh, was pretty interesting. Um, and, and how you know how do you, uh, as uh, state officials and local officials who depend on this transportation money too, um, what do they do now? How do they uh, how do they go back to the voters and with some kind of plan? Um, uh, presumably, if we're going to raise taxes. That's, that's the only place they're really going to find new money. Uh, so what would what would that look like, and, and how are you going to uh, build support for that? We asked uh, one question uh, related to that uh, elsewhere in the poll about um, the proposal by the Transportation Commission to uh, uh, institute a mileage fee. So you... you uh, replace some of the state gasoline tax with fees based on miles you drive. And 55% opposed that in our poll, 32% supported it. So there's one possible uh, avenue for new money that people say they want to find, but they don't want that avenue. So <laughs> I think it's going to be very hard to find new money. Um, so that, that whole uh, dilemma is going to tie up uh, time and and, and decision makers for the session. All right, pollster Stuart Elway, thank you so much for your time. Anytime. As we mentioned off the top, online political advertising is expected to be a big issue in 2020. During the 2016 election, false stories, conspiracy theories, and downright lies spread like wildfire online. Silicon Valley has said they're doing what they can to fight the problem, but it's not something that can be easily policed. Como's Taylor Van Seist spoke about it with Craig Timberg, technology reporter for The Washington Post. How loud was the shouting for Facebook to change their approach to political ads? Pretty loud. I mean, there was a, there's a definitely a concern that allowing politicians to lie freely in advertising is not a good thing for democracy. And, uh, and that to allow the very narrow micro-targeting they do where they pick up, you know, like a 40-year-old single man in Seattle who likes um, Dungeons & Dragons, that maybe that's not good for democracy either. So they can drill down, advertisers can drill down that far into somebody to know that this guy likes Dungeons and Dragons? And more. Even if they just have your phone number, your email address, your name, they can they can build a list based on people who visit certain websites. So let's say you click on a, on a link to a story about Dungeons and Dragons, they can collect data on who you are, and then they can retarget you through Facebook's ad tools. And so there was both this issue of allowing politicians to lie, but there also was the issue of allowing politicians to so narrowly target their ads that no one really knows what they're saying. I mean, Donald Trump back in 2016 was doing tens of thousands of different ads a day to, to different audiences, and there's no reason to think that stopped.
So let's just use the, the Dungeons and Dragons example again, I guess. Okay. If I were to place an ad that said, hey, if elected, Craig Timberg is going to take away your D&D playing board, yes. even if you as a candidate have clearly said, no, I'm in favor of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm pro Dungeons and Dragons, exactly. And I could make that claim without anybody doing anything. Yeah, you could send it out to just as few as 100 people. And so forget the issue of whether you're lying or not, because they're not they're not fact checking, they're not policing the dishonesty. But from a transparency point of view, nobody other than those hundred people have any idea that that lie has been spread. And so that is part of the concern of folks who worry about the safety of our democracy. When you put up a billboard that says Craig Timberg hates Dungeons and Dragons, right? The world sees it. I get to respond to it. My campaign puts out a press release. Maybe there's news coverage. But if it only goes to a hundred people on Facebook, it's, it's a, it, there's a stealth way to manipulate people that's really entirely unregulated. Right. And like you said, those people don't know that they're the only ones getting that ad. So what do I then as a Facebook user do to protect myself? There's going to be a new tool uh, sometime this summer that allows you to turn off or at least to turn down political advertising on Facebook. Now, all studies forever have shown that people, when people have to go do things to change their settings, they almost never do. 85% of everybody kind of uses the preset settings that you know, that, that piece of software or that a service uh, delivers to you. So the reality is that probably hardly anyone's going to do anything. Uh, so you could turn it down, but that doesn't mean that the person who's the 40-year-old Dungeons & Dragons lover is going to turn it down. Right. Or if that group of 100 does, only a few of them will actually pay attention to that, to that setting. Bingo. Okay, well, if you haven't seen political ads yet, I'm sure you will soon on social media. And find out why they are targeting you and how they're doing it by reading some of Craig Timberg's coverage online at WashingtonPost.com. Craig, thank you. And that will do it for this episode of the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogel. Thank you for listening and have a good week.